The first reading is from Isaiah, and it's chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star that had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, 
they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thank you, Anna, very much for reading for us this evening. Um, We're going to be looking at that passage, and uh, it's on page 966 of our church Bible, so if you wanted to grab one from the chair in front, or maybe your own chair, then uh, then do uh, turn up that if you'd like to. Page 966, and let's pray together now. Uh, Father, it's late, not the best time of day to have a sermon, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds, we pray, to yourself, to your word, and we pray that you would speak to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I wonder how you're uh, reacting to Christmas 2021. Um, I mean, I guess there's all sorts of possibilities, aren't there? That you could be uh, uh, fairly relieved that you've uh, you've got here without COVID. Uh, you could be excited at the prospects of tomorrow, and uh, whatever the highlight of Christmas Day is for you, uh, you might be uh, really looking forward to that tomorrow. Um, uh, maybe you're excited. You've managed to get the family together, and uh, uh, and I, I was talking to someone uh, two or three weeks ago, and uh, uh, they hadn't seen their new grandson ever and they were so looking forward they live over the far side of the states and uh, they were so looking forward to the uh, to them being able to come over or maybe for you it's uh, um, sadness maybe it's a, a first christmas for you without a loved one or uh, maybe some of your family are isolating or uh, or maybe for you it's just uh, exhaustion and uh, and you're looking forward to a, a week's uh, sleep next week in that funny kind of gap between Christmas and New Year. Um, or maybe you just think that Christmas is, well, frankly, ridiculous. And you've just been uh, brought along here, or maybe you come along here every year, because it's what the family do. And uh, But, you know, if you, if you were really truthful about it, you think this is just a bit crazy. Actually, I, I did come across something um, just today, when it was... Um, uh, because there are some people who just love to cancel. They'd really love to cancel Christmas so they'd have their way. And uh, this is a, a notice that was put up on a, on a, a kind of like a, a wayside billboard uh, in, the, um, in the United States. They put up this following sign. And it was put up by a, a, an atheist organization. And it said this. In this season of the winter solstice, may reason prevail. There are no gods... No devils, no angels, no heaven, no hell. There is only our material world. Religion is but a myth and superstition that hardens hearts and enslaves minds. And on the other side of this kind of billboard thing, uh, they were obviously a little bit concerned that it might get nicked by someone. So on the other side of this billboard, which on the one side was, was promoting atheism, 
publicly, firmly, and clearly. And on the other side, they had written, thou shalt not steal. <laughs> Quoting, of course, the Eighth Commandment. Hey, hey. But actually, let's be serious, because um, for some, Christians is a load of nonsense. And uh, maybe you're, you're, you're kind of along that kind of thing. And uh, we've got some, uh, there are books by, uh, by the door at the back called uh, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story. They're free. If you'd like to take one, do uh, take one away with you uh, as you leave this evening. Now, Matthew 2, 1 to 12, the visit of the Magi to Jesus in Bethlehem. Probably it was a little while after Jesus was born. He's no longer in a stable. If you glance over at verse 11 there, it talks about them coming to the house. And Jesus is no longer a baby, but he's referred to as a child in that same verse. And then some call them magi, some call them wise men, uh, some call them and sing about three kings. And then, of course, it gets confusing, because if you've got three kings there, then you've got King Herod, you've got the baby Jesus, who's called the king, and then you've got three other kings turn up. So you've got five kings here, and it's um, always possible to get your kings confused, isn't it? Uh, I came across this as well. Three kings came to see the king and asked him where the new king was born. But the first king told the three kings that he didn't know where the second king was. His advisers looked in the Bible, though not in one or two kings, and found that the second king was to be born in Bethlehem. So the first king told the three kings to find the second king and tell him, the first king, where the second king was, because the first king thought the second king was one king too many. And when the three kings found the second king, they realized he was actually the number one king, in fact, the king of kings, and that, compared with him, the other king and all other kings were really no kings at all. Clear? No, probably not. Uh, it's actually easier to say that these guys who turned up, we don't know how many of them there were. It says it's plural, so at least two. Tradition has it that there were three. Um, maybe there were more. But it's, it's easier to say that they're wise men or magi. And we're going to think just briefly this evening about how we react to Christmas. Are we going to react to Christmas like the Magi did, like these wise men did? Or are we going to react to Christmas like Herod did? And this little passage here kind of talks about both of them and says, look, here are two completely different ways of reacting to Christmas. Which is your way? How are you going to react to Christmas tonight? So, first of all, would you react to Christmas like Herod did? Herod was the first man who hated Christmas. And it's very clear that Herod was first quite disturbed by Jesus, and then that quickly developed into being threatened by Jesus. Now, Herod was the king. He was the king of the Jews. He'd been put in place by the Romans. His uh, didn't really have very much job security because the emperor could have deposed him, removed him from that office uh, very, very quickly. Uh, it was a very insecure job. And so when these wise men, these magi, when they turned up in Jerusalem asking the question that they ask in verse 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You can understand that he was disturbed. And it says here also in verse 3 that the whole of Jerusalem was disturbed with it. 
Now that's pretty serious. And they would have been disturbed with Herod because if there was another king here and Herod was there, then you could well end up with an uprising and with political change and all the rest of it. I guess that's what that's about. And then this disturbance grew actually to be more of a threat. A threat from Bethlehem's baby. In January 2020, I don't know when you first heard of coronavirus, but let's say it was January 2020. And uh, most likely at that time, none of us had, had heard of Wuhan either. And at that point, when we first heard about it, we probably thought, well, yes, they're getting a bit concerned, but I'm sure it'll be okay. Then probably, I would guess, maybe February 2020, it was getting a little bit more serious. Coronavirus was getting really quite disturbing, and we were beginning to wonder what it was turning into. And then we realized in March last year that actually this was not just something disturbing, but it was becoming a threat. A global threat. And you can see how for Herod here as well, actually this birth of this little baby was growing from uh, something that was well, a little bit disturbing, but actually growing into a threat. And in fact, for him, a threat that really developed. And if you glanced on to verse 16 there, he then uh, this, this is something we're going to be looking at on Boxing Day morning. But he turned uh, he turned into a monster. Well, he was a monster already. He did away with various members of his own family. Um, but it was such was the threat he felt from this baby that he had uh, uh, all those two years and younger in Bethlehem massacred to try and make sure that this little baby had wiped out. He felt threatened. Um, and uh, he had been, there was this religious leader had told him in verse 6 that this little baby was the ruler, the shepherd of my people. He's going to take your place, Herod. He's going to be your ruler, your Lord, and your king. Because Christmas is the birth of the Lord, the birth of the king. And that can be threatening. And, and Christians claim that this baby was and is Right now, the Lord of all, that he has a claim on your life, a claim on your life to be your Lord and your master and your king. And that's why for some folks, they might react to Christmas like Herod, actually feeling rather threatened by what this all represents. Or maybe we could react like the Magi. Now, they made a real effort to get there, didn't they? They traveled 800, 900, maybe 1,000 miles to get there. And there weren't any decent roads or anything. So even going, how does that work out? It's about a couple of months, I guess, to get there. So it's a big, long journey. And they searched for Jesus. They asked for directions, a very unmanlike thing to do, I guess, I suppose, in verse 2. And, uh, uh, and then they found Jesus. And it says in verse 10 there, they were overjoyed. They saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. This little boy, this extraordinary 
bunch of guys who turned up from a foreign country and they came and worshipped this little boy. I mean, we're accustomed to thinking, aren't we, of the, of the, of the gifts of the Magi. These wise men, their gold and their frankincense and myrrh. But actually, they give us a fourth gift. It's not just the three. There's a fourth gift involved as well. Because what they also brought was their devotion. Was their willingness to uh, uh, endure whatever it took. And to look for as long as it took. To find what God had promised through this sign. So there are three gifts there that, in a moment, they help us to understand more about Jesus and what he came to do. But there's a fourth gift which helps us to know how to respond, how to react to this little boy born in Bethlehem. So it's asking us, it's saying to us, it's asking us a question. So maybe we could respond not like Herod being threatened, but we could respond like the Magi and with devotion. We could respond like the Magi and be tenacious about it. And not letting Christmas pass us by, but being tenacious and wanting to find out and respond to this little baby here. Um, I mean, and I can't think of any newborn baby or toddler with gifts anywhere near as inappropriate as the ones they gave him. Oh, yeah, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. We think we're quite familiar with those, actually. Um, gold for a king, okay, Jesus was announced as the king of the Jews. That is probably appropriate, isn't it? But frankincense and myrrh? It's a little bit odd. I mean, normally you give a newborn baby a baby grow or a, or a top or a, um, socks or whatever's, wouldn't you? A nice little hat or whatever. Um, and, uh, but here, frankincense, that's what we use to worship in a, in a, in a high church, representing the prayers of uh, Christian people. And that is saying that they were believing the this little toddler was not just human, but he was divine as well. That he was God showing up on earth. A guy called Donald English wrote this once. Jesus became as like us as God can be. And Steve Turner, uh, who's a poet, wrote this once. That Christmas is like your landlord becoming your lodger. Like your managing director up before you for an interview. Like Beethoven queuing up for a ticket to his own concert. Like a headmaster getting the cane. Like a, a good architect living in a slum built by a rival. Like Picasso painting by numbers. God lived among us. And if that's true, that makes Christmas absolutely huge, doesn't it? That makes Christmas something that's got to be taken seriously, got to be investigated if we don't think we quite understand why it's so huge. And if it is right, and if it is that huge, then it changes life. It changes our lives for time and for eternity. 
But it gets worse or better, depending on which side of the fence you are. Because with the myrrh, that is something just awful to give a newborn baby. The modern parallel is embalming fluid. Why on earth would you do that? That is just, that is just grotesque, isn't it? That's insensitive. That's appalling to give it to a toddler. Embalming fluid as a present. Unless it stands for something. Unless it actually means something. Unless this gold and this frankincense and this myrrh are actually there to teach us more about why Jesus has come. And of course it does, doesn't it? That's why we're doing communion tonight. Because at communion, the bread and the wine help us to remember Jesus' death, don't they? Which seems a slightly strange thing to do on the day when we're about to celebrate Jesus' birth. Now, this is what he came to do. He came to die. He was born to die for us, to take our punishment, to stand in our place, to take our wrongdoing into his own life, into his own body, and take the punishment for that and make it his own and be sent to hell instead of us. So how do you react to Christmas? React like Herod, disturbed, threatened, not really quite guessing it? Or react like the Magi, they made the effort, they found the newborn king, they were overjoyed when they found him, they worshipped him, they gave themselves to him. They worshipped him, they worshipped the God become man. They worshipped the God become man who had come to live here for them and to die here for them and for us. So how are you reacting this Christmas time? Like the Magi? Like Herod? Which would it be? Well, if you want to find out uh, more, uh, there are always these books. It's Christmas Unbelievable. Do take one of those. We're also... Um, on the 6th of January, it's a Thursday evening, uh, running something called Hope Explored. And it'll run for three weeks. So on the 6th and then the, whatever it is, the 13th and the 20th of January. Um, I guess it will be online rather than in person. But if you're interested in that, do uh, check out our website. You'll find more details there. Uh, or let us know at the door. Or phone up the church office sometime in early January before the 6th. Uh, and uh, let us know you'd like to come along. Or, of course... Keep on coming. Because week by week by week by week, uh, we believe that this book, the Bible, has got uh, the information that we need. That it is the true and living word of God. And will help us to understand more about what it means to be a Christian and what Christmas itself is all about. So uh, uh, um, so that's a, that's a little look at Matthew chapter 2 the Magi, and how we react, like Herod, or like these Magi, like these wise men, this Christmas time.